1: So I'm out there on this rocket, and um, I get the track gates, I activate the rocket, and the missile and it starts hissing. it's a like beautiful sound by the way. just so love it um, yeah, yeah. anyway, it's awesome. and then um, this argon gas just starts going in the rocket and cool it off, get ready to shoot. You have four minutes before it's spent, you know, so you have four minutes to to do your shooting. I think I was total like an, like a minute. Something, 30-something seconds, mid 36, I think. So I get this whole thing. I get the track gates as little as I can get them right on the turret of the tank because it's dug in. You can only see the turret sticking out. So I get track gates, like, very, very small. I get on it. I was like, hey, you know, let's do it. Let's do it. So pull the trigger. Missile goes out, flies, and then we're videoing drone footage. drone is watching it, and it comes in and hits right in the the front, like, part of the tank. Somewhere in here, just boom. When you get two kilometers away, you're like, Oh, geez, that's pretty good. Anyway, well, like, super happy, uh, bail out of there. And the drone operator's like, You missed. I was like, F-. And then watch the footage, and it looked like I did miss. And then, but it's kind of far away, so watched it again and again and again. And that at that time, like, we need to get out of there because big old bang, flash, smoke, this whole thing, right. You can't stay in that position. So, what it turned out to be, well, I'm going to tell you this will happen afterwards. So, we fire this missile. I get back down and I turn around to see who was holding me. And the guy who was holding me is not the guy who's holding me now. So, the guy who was holding me first was a conscript that just got drafted like a couple months ago. So, what happened was my... Other battle buddy, he was experienced uh, warfighter in Ukraine. Eight years, right out of high school, 2014 started. He joined the Marines, went, fought, got blown up by AGS, which is that automatic grenade launcher thing. It shot the legs, got one shrapnel in on his head that they still couldn't pull out. He still has nightmares about that that machine gun. He said that he did not like it. It's his. He he could do. He could get shot by anything, but that. Um, he did not enjoy it. And a very experienced guy, very calm, just... So what he did when he saw his buddy holding me up and he saw the back blast that's going to get him, he swapped him for himself. So he, he told that guy to go out, safe distance. He turned around and had me stand on his shoulders. I can't feel I'm just feel something soft. Like, I don't know what's going on. I'm looking at the enemy. like, I don't know what's going on down there. So I ended up standing on his shoulders... Hit he a helmet on, he put goggles on, he braced like this. He knew that back blast is gonna, is gonna f- him, f- him up. And he decided to take the hit himself rather than watch his younger buddies, battle buddies, to take it. So that was pretty, pretty amazing.
2: Did it fry him pretty good?
1: He lost, the, if you watch the video, that flame went right over his head like this. Yeah. Like, like top of his head and past him. He got deaf in one ear for half a day. So he didn't have have ear pro or nothing. But he knew what was going to happen. And because of this ditch, that back blast goes in the ditch and comes right back at you. Well, we take the same route, right? So we took a different route. We waited for the bombing to stop. We just walked out of there like nothing happened, right? So sit there at the base, and I'm mad. I'm mad because I had a shot. It didn't work, whatever reasons were. try gates were too small. Target was too small, whatever it is. So watch that video like a thousand times. And uh, well we, based on reconnaissance that we received for a week at that time, is that tank has never functioned since. It never moved, not even the turret didn't move. And um, and they saw other vehicles move, the tracks, that one did not move. And then we ended up just watching the video, whatever the video you can, you can as much as you can zoom in possibly on it. You can see that it hit kind of in the front of the vehicle, somewhere in like a, around the driver's hatch. And it didn't explode like you wanted to explode, right? And there was like a turn didn't flap or anything. But something happened to it from that strike to where, I don't know if it fried electronics control something. That sucker was dead. It didn't look like it, but it was gone. So, and my team went out there and said, well, they might pull it out and repair it. So we're going to shoot it again. So (laughs) they went out to the same position with the new javelin because where it hit it, you know, it messed up, you know, obviously did something to the tank, but also uh, deteriorated some of the berm that they built in front of it. So opened up, you could see it more clearly. And they threw a missile right in it. Bam. And that turret flew up and like this whole thing. I have a picture. It is fantastic. So did it take two javelins to kill a tank? Yes, it did. But did we have a fun, uh, fun time doing it?
2: Yeah, yeah, it didn't cost you any money either.
1: Yeah, it was awesome. That was good. So I claim half a tank, half a tank. Uh,
2: <laughs> I think we'll give you half a tank. What, uh, was it, this was the one day before you left?
1: The one day before I left. The good Lord blessed us with a kill.
2: God. How yeah. long did it take you to get back? About three or four days to get back? Over you no,
1: so flying back was easier. Was um, it? Honestly, yeah. Flying back was like 23 hours or so. Take get mm. back. Yeah, going in took forever. And this whole COVID test nonsense garbage that you had to go through to get in. And and then I was trying to go through Romania and Romania said you need to give them a three day notice before you come. So I was like, I didn't have three days, so I couldn't go to Romania. I was trying to go like Moldova, but it was like Russian control, so it didn't didn't make sense. So then I tried to go, you know, to different to to, to, to Turkey. So I went to Turkey first, then I went to Germany, and then I was trying to go to Amsterdam and then from there to Poland. Amsterdam had this whole stupid COVID restrictions. I couldn't do that, so I'm in the airport, like getting tickets, like other different countries, to so, like try to get in. Ended up flying to Warsaw, Poland, and that's where I met that Ukrainian lady. I was in Germany, flying to to Poland, and that's where I saw her passport. Mm. And we got connected, so you know it all worked out very well in the end.
2: Yeah, I would, I would assume so.
1: So before I left, I had a, a couple of days. Like, I had to leave that battalion, that area that day, right? But there's accounted time for travel because it takes forever to get out of the country, even, you know, with all the, you kind of have to uh, tie up some loose ends, you know, clear our safe house and like things like that. So, my brother at that time, so the whole time of fighting in the south, he's fighting in the north because that's where the enemies were. Then the enemies pulled back from the north and he did the same thing that Kiev folks did he went to his battalion and he said nothing going on here i want to go where the fight is so he detached from them they gave him permission took forever but they did they let him go and he attached himself to a position that fighting the nisk area mm. so right there in the heat heat mm-hmm. of it all he just joined jumped in the fire so um so he was in the east i was in the south i found out where he was we're, we had at calm, spotty comms but you know we're both fighting so we had other things to do and um so i talked to mark and i said mark i want to go see my brother and he goes and that's mission critical we're doing it so we got together we drove his painted ambulance battle bus is what we call it it's, it's a fantastic vehicle by the way made by mercedes this is awesome uh, we thought we thought for sure well one we thought for sure we weren't going to live to the end of the SOP. then we also thought for sure that the vehicle isn't going to live till the end then we bought a dirt bike as a backup exfil vehicle that we carried inside in case that thing gets blown up we can hop on a dirt bike and, and bail both of us knew how to ride so we had that as a backup never had to use it luckily so we hop in the van we drive to Zaporizhia that's how you pronounce it
2: mm, there you go it's Zaporizhia, Zaporizhia.
1: Yep. So you dro- we drove to Zaporizhia. And since everything we did in Ukraine was, was very efficient in terms of our time spent, you know, there's hardly a day that we spent just doing nothing. Um, there we had a reset day. We had four ops back to back. And then we had to reset, like do laundry, you know, and, and take a shower and things like that because the city was cut off from the water. But most of the time it was very efficient. If we're not fighting, we're training somebody. You know, if we had a half a day, I'll call them and say, hey, I have a half a day. And the, the battalion commander was like, hey, I got 16 guys need the javelin training. I'm going to come up to my place. You know, they show up. We'll plug in that battery, motorcycle battery. We'll open the window. and We'll watch the city for four hours and train them how to how to navigate this thing, right? So we're always doing something. So on the way to my brother, the middle point was Zaporizhia. And the guy's like, hey, well, we trained one of the teams from Zaporizhia. Now since you're going to be driving past that, why don't you just stop by and train the rest of them? Okay, so we got contacts. We went out there, met with them. They gave us this classroom. I have a picture of that when I'm drawing on the whiteboard how to kill tanks. So um, ended up training a unit there, um, like 20, 24 guys. There's a lot of guys. Uh, every time we tell them, hey, only bring six because it's the, most, the best um, amount of people to be trained effectively, they bring like 20. So they they just it's so rare that you have a trainer that come in teach a western kit that they just bring everybody that they can find, so whether they're going to be an operator or not, they bring him in anyway in case that guy get dies then you get another guy so and it has happened uh quite a few times um javelin operators are not invincible. we've trained some guys that that we've acquired about them and and there were no more so it was it was yeah, some things are very unfortunate like that um so we trained the Zaporizhia guys, and then we went down further and met with my brother about ten kilometers from the from the front line, and that was the first time I saw him in four years. Um, yeah, it was a it was a surreal moment. Uh, one, both of us were alive. Another thing, uh, both of us were civilian in the previous life, and now we're both were combat veterans. Um, it was. And we're we're also both orphans. Um, Our parents had passed away. So he didn't have... He was not married, didn't have kids. Um, I was married at that time still. I had three kids. Um, But for him, he didn't have anybody but me. So it was... uh, It was a good moment, you know. I remember we met... And uh, the way the things were, I only had two hours. I only had two hours to spare before I had to leave to get to Boland and, and go mm-hmm. uh, go home. So that's all we had. For after four years of not seeing each other, in the middle of the war, we had two hours. And uh, I talked to him. I have, a, I have a picture of that, too. And uh, Yeah. The village was bombed. Behind us, you can see houses about 300 meters past that is where explosions were going on because their artillery, Ukrainian artillery was working on the Russian positions. So they get in return fire and we just stood out there the open and I gave in two about it. After a while, you just get used to it to the point where it's, it's just what it is, you know. Is he still there? Yeah. Oh yeah. So they're rotating it out. They have like a month long they fight for a month, they reset for like a week Mm -hmm. or two, and then they go back, and they usually go back to different areas. I don't know why Ukraine does that, but, you know, you fight in one area, you get to know it well, and then you get rotated out, and you go to somewhere else where you've never been.
2: It's not really a bad thing if you think about it. It kills the ability to be complacent because you're not seeing the same shit over and over. It's not, you're like, oh, well, this is fun because when I was, when we were in Afghanistan, complacency killed a lot of people. Yeah. You're like, oh, I've drove over this area multiple times. On the thirtieth time, it was rigged, mm-hmm. and you can blow up. I mean, that's you mm. know that that is. I mean, I'm not. I don't is think that's a good strategy. Okay, I think I stand I, personally, today. I think that is actually not a bad strategy because yes, rest and relaxation—that's a real thing. So you bring him back for a couple of weeks, kick him off somewhere. Now, I would assume you probably want to kick him off in the same AO type area, mm-hmm. you know. Because they're the surroundings are going to be the same, but they're, now they're looking at different roads and mm-hmm. it's. I don't know. It probably helps with complacency. Okay. Oh, he's loving it, huh? Yep. So, uh, what is this? The back of the <laughs> is this is the back that's of the, thing? the battle bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool.
1: That's the battle bus.
2: And so, he's still over there, and he's he loving every second of it, huh? So th- this is know, about as Ukrainian as it gets, right there. Like that AK that's kind of pieced together. <laughs> That's how yeah. so Ukrainian.
1: Yeah, a little bit of mixed match uniforms yeah. and stuff. And I give him my body armor. So I had some good Turkish armor um that I found. So my first set so when I went there, I went as a tourist. Um in terms of I didn't bring any kit with me. And because I didn't do it, so I'm a competitive shooter, right? I have a lot of things tactical speaking, mm-hmm. right? I have a lot of furniture for ARs, AKs, sniper rifles, like optics, binoculars, mm-hmm. range the whole thing, right? And body armor as well. Uh, I didn't know what I could, could not bring. I didn't know what the laws were. I didn't want to get arrested at the border and not even accomplish my mission. So I came there looking like a normal civilian person. So everything I got there, either got from the military or I bought myself. So I had a, a contact in Poland, who sourced stuff for me, drove across the border, gave to another person, another lady who hopped on the train, drove for, you know, rode for 12 hours to get to my place. I met her and got this backpacks of gear. So I ended up with good quality ceramic plates. I had a good kit. Then I saw his, he had steel plates and a kit from like 90s, <laughs> you know, surplus stuff. And I, And I was like, throw this in the garbage, take my stuff. So I left a lot of my things there. As I left, ever since I've replenished it, so I'm back to 99% of everything I need. And um, it was awesome to to meet him. It was awesome to share experiences. We 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 talked about a lot of things in the time given, and um, obviously we stay in touch. um, Modest amount. I don't want to distract him from what he's doing. It's more important to him to be focused than it is to be chatting up with me about. You know the weather and how cool it is on the beach, throwing rocks with my kids. You know, so he's got to he's got to stay stay in the game. His head has got to stay in the game. And I'm gonna help him with that. Um, but after I came back, I wasn't so sure why I was back in the first place. Um, work didn't feel right. Um, just maybe a classic um, mm-hmm. story of a soldier. Uh, when you come back, you just you know. Things become trivial. Um, they look a lot more trivial now than they were before. So me and this uh, a few guys from Ukraine, they're Americans. We got together and we made this um, made this website and started a small company, uh, Drone Reaper, uh, dronereaper.com, where we have looked at what is it that we can do on this side, no longer carrying a weapon fighting for the Ukrainian side, what we can do on this side in order to help ukrainians to win in that war and what one of the most beneficial things outside of rockets was being able to see enemies ahead of time where they are and what they're doing so drones drones um, so we designed basically we designed a drone that's we're going to test here soon in, in the theater mm. and prove the concept and once we do we're going to mass produce those and uh, what they are is they can carry a payload of whatever that is that you want and uh we call it life saving equipment. And um uh, it should be jammer proof.
2: So really? Mm-hmm. Well it's jammer proof.
1: Well, we use some some technology that I don't want to disclose publicly, but we use some technology that's gonna keep um make Russian uh anti anti jamming like GPS jamming systems ineffective.
2: I d I don't doubt that. I mean So they're probably still working with from the early two thousands. So let's just be honest. Yep. If you
1: can fly a DJI over their heads, you can fly this drone over heads.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. You have a DJ, Did you see the DJI video, or video? All right, well, it's a drone video, excuse me, of they dropped like a literal like uh, I call them pineapple grenades. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you see when they dropped one through the hatch? Like yeah. tell me that Yeah, so it wasn't My
1: god. It wasn't pineapple grenade. It was, was it was this uh from automatic grenade launcher from AGAS. Was it really? It's that they're modified. There's videos. You can watch them. They take it apart. They're modified. They put this uh, striker mechanism. So once once it hits the pin, it detonates. So it detonates on impact. So And then they put the fin, 3D printed fin, in the back of it. The the people that you were seeing, it actually, I can't confirm nor deny, but I may or may not know, these people that mm. dropped these things. Wow. So they may or may not be from an old unit.
2: No, oh, well, they did. I, I gave them, that was, that was the most insane yeah, through through the Dropped hatch
1: and they ignited the powder. Everything
2: in the inside it, of it. was that was I get, like I guess me goose mom's like just talking about it because you're watching this thing you Like, what's gonna happen? Is it gonna hit the top? And that's something went through the hatch. Yeah, yeah, I was like, God.
1: No, but it also helps just throwing it the top and the back of the turret where the electronics are, navigation systems and things like that.
2: Oh, you can take it everything out of there. It do they? Do, do a lot of those tanks have thermals? Their tanks.
1: You know that's that's one of those complacency things, right? Um. A lot of the things we treated as if they don't. And I know units that have lost people because of it.
2: Because they did have thermals.
1: And yeah. also um, some of those where they detect laser.
2: Oh, really? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Because
1: we have laser-guided rockets. We had a unit that used it on. They're trying to shoot a tank with the laser-guided. And they had the system where the turret ne- identifies it. Real turns quick. Turns yeah. to them. And then they ended up losing people because of it. So it's a very it's a hit or miss. You know, w- in the sector where we were, that didn't seem to be the case. But Zaporizhia, that that seemed to be the case, that they had a little bit more advanced tanks.
2: Hmm. That's interesting. What's crazy, because that, that whole Zapsare- like I, I don't Zaporizhia. say it correctly, Zaporizhia, mm-hmm. that whole line that goes from there to Avika, is that how you say it? Avika? A-V-D-I-I-K-A. Avdivka. Avdivka. See, I know where the I know where the areas are. I have a hard time pronouncing them. I'm probably just like every other
1: American over there. If you pronounce every letter, then you'll be right most of the time.
2: Well, I can assure you, I'm terrible at Lyschansk.
1: Lisichansk.
2: See, what I'm saying? It's F- good, F- You don't remember. So from Z- Zaporizhia all the way over to Advika. 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 Uh, okay, all the way through there really hasn't shifted. Mm-hmm. It hasn't moved really. Is it the same type of terrain that you basically look over near Kirsten? All farmlands, open, open fields, there's trees? There's more hills there. So more why aren't they moving at all?
1: Well, I mean, there's a lot of reasons. I, I don't want to pretend to be a military expert in that area. But I can tell you that, again, it goes into that motivation. Um, of their That's troops it. Versus us. But it also goes into um, Ukrainians are very, very angry at this whole thing. So no matter how much equipment Russians have and how many people they're going to throw – Ukraine will never surrender, and they'll never give up. And they act like it, and the Russians can feel it.
2: Hmm. I'm so glad I'm not on the, the Russian side of things. I know because i, I, I got to deal with reading all this stuff, making these videos. i got to read so much. Mm-hmm. And I read the Russian side of stuff at times. And I'm like, God, oh, these guys. Have you ever watched any Russian state TV at all? Have you I mean, watched it's all the same.
1: The West is the enemy and the Ukrainians are Nazis. I mean, it's all the same.
2: It's the same. I'm saying it, it, the, the Reddit that comes out of their mouths sometimes, like they, their main guy, I can't say his name because I, I don't know how to say it. Same guy's on it every day. Last week, he literally told their guys, or their, their civilian population, if they're not for the war to help the cause, like make, make the equipment and stuff like that, they should shoot themselves. Mm-hmm. Literally, he said that on TV. Like he literally said, like, <laughs> I could not fathom someone's telling you that. Like this is like their mouthpiece is telling them that if he's saying that he's telling like, just literally shoot yourself. What, what, what are those, how are the soldiers like the Russian soldiers themselves? How are they treated? I guess it's going to depend on every single chain of command and which ones are which, but right. is is have you guys heard of them actually, that's the best way to put it, I guess, shooting deserters. That's a, that is the best way to put it. That's the rumor.
1: Yep, I've, you know, I've never seen them do that necessarily. Um, our our fighting was at the, the distance. Yeah. But that is that is the rumor. Okay, so they don't, they don't So they're, almost in
2: a, they're so they have no reason to push forward, but they have a reason not to think. Yeah. You know, they're kind of like just, that's what I'm, I'm asking. So they're pretty much just stuck in certain areas. But over in the east right now over the last week or so, in that area I was just talking about, you have Pisky. I think I said that mm-hmm. right. It's Pisky. So Pisky, it, all around there, if you go north, I don't know how many kilometers, but pretty much all those major towns along that line that's been held since 2014. Mm-hmm. Now, over the last week, they've now just started to attempt to actually push through, but they've been struggling so bad because it's built they've up. They've dug in for it's, eight years. Yeah, that's so I'm saying. They're, they, I, I, that's the other thing. A lot of people don't realize that when you're looking at this stuff and they're like, why aren't they moving real quick? Well, you're like, well, the last eight years, they have literal lines like like not just one long trench Mm -hmm. line they have multiple multiple Mm -hmm. on top of each other like you you know how hard it is to get through just one of them Mm -hmm. and then you got to think about then you get like i don't see anyone on the eastern side moving like in a a very fast pace at all ever
1: no and even that that village we're operating out of even though we held that line and uh ukrainian troops ended up after i left like in a week or two they ended up pushing them back even more further out but when I was out there and I drove this one road, kind of a long freeway in and out, on that side of the freeway, there's the Ukrainians were dug in there for months. Really? And wh- I'm talking, we were like ten kilometers away, and they're dugging in this position and setting up a firing positions for the tanks because it's because it's this highway and in front of it just wide open field for about so four they're, already, kilometers, they're already prepped for yeah That's crazy. and they w- they were prepped. We're we're still defending that village. I'm telling ten kilometers away. There's that line being built. You come closer. There's another line. There's a whole battalion full of people with shovels and excavators, it's like, like cat excavators. Just Oh,
2: really? I've seen stuff. the videos of those. Yeah, yeah, I've seen the videos of them actually building. They're literally just farmers out there. Like, you have farmers that mm-hmm. aren't even a part of it, literally digging trenches and form. That yeah. was over in Nipro? I mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Look at that score, one for the team over here. But they've, that, you got to think about that as well. They've, how far out are they built out for just that one itself? Or yeah. Cyversk? Or those areas that they a uh-huh. area is how do you say it, Slovyansk? Sloviansk? Slovyansk. Sloviansk. Mm-hmm. So that area, they haven't even been able to touch that one yet. Like imagine how fortified that son of a bitch is. Mm-hmm.
1: And there's all these lines uh, uh, coming closer to the city too, like Mikolaev. Dude, it would be impossible for them to take
2: Mikolaev. What about Bak- Bakhmut? Bachmut? How do you say Bakhmut, it? Bachmut, I See, God dude, I'm crushing it with the names. <laughs> I love it.
1: Bachmut. Yeah. Bachmut.
2: But that's all hills and around Solar there and are hills. It's tons of hills mm-hmm. over there. But is is
1: it's good and bad. Hills are good and bad.
2: Well, it's, it's prevented them from being able to push quick, but they know they have to take the hills. Yeah. So they're, that whole line, the amount of casualties they've sustained is insane. If you think about it, yep. that's a cannon fodder area. Yep. But they're having to literally, Look, through, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I feel good. I, I feel good. You're, you're making me feel better about my life because I sit here and do this it's pretty much been my life for the last six mm-hmm. months.
1: So you were not wrong. So you, what your assumptions you're making about, about them, their morale, their preparedness, their, their level of training. I mean, you're not wrong. Um, Ukrainians are not—they're not, they're not uh, experts necessarily, but the Russian preparation is just pathetic. You know, yeah, they have tech, but they're one—they're afraid to use it. Two, when they use it, they're not very effective. And uh, they do just the sheer ammunition. and I said this on uh, in some interview sometime. Uh, the sheer ammunition amounts that they have is why they're even making advances in the first place, because there are artillery pieces. Just, yeah. 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 Not carpet bomb, but, but carpet shoot everything, and sometimes they hit something important, and that's why they were able to win. And uh, I mean, until now, right? In the last month, like you said, that line has not moved. And once Ukraine start getting all these Western toys, their precision ammunition and uh, the barrels are not shot out from nineteen seventies yeah. until now, right? So you start seeing the drone footage God. where it used to take us like. 40, 50 rounds to get to their tank. Now it's take us like 10, right? You watch their videos where you can zero in Hey, you tell them correct 20 meters It actually corrects, you know, 25, 30 meters. It gets closer instead of 50 and overshoots, right? So you can see the corrections are becoming more accurate now with the use of drones and the use of precision artillery. And the rounds are that the West is supplying are some fantastic stuff. You
2: guys, I said, well, you're an American, but I'm going to say you guys, but the Ukrainians, they've actually just got the it's a it's a guided munition round for the triple seven. Okay. So they actually have that now, which I don't even know what what I now you are taking the the ability to hit around or hit something within three to four rounds. Now you are talking like mm-hmm. one round. Yeah, yeah. But that's what, that's why I talk about uh, that down in the Kirsten area. You are talking about they've been using those. Precision art- artillery down there to absolutely destroy every single ammunition depot. They have, like, Ukrainians 100% have men working in oh, the what? city of Kyrgyzstan itself. Mm-hmm. 1,000. All these targets they're hitting are like, we're talking like a, 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 a warehouse, not even a warehouse. We're talking like a building mm-hmm. that's, among other buildings. Yes, among other yeah. that mm-hmm. are now getting targeted by artillery. Mm-hmm. And they're like, there's the, 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 the Russians, they can't be this stupid not to realize that there's people in this city, like, everything they're doing. Is under a microscope, like they know everything they can moving. do
1: about it. Nothing they can do about it because it's not just so you can find and kill every military age male in Kerson, yeah, and this <laughs> will not stop because I, of their wives. But you
2: couldn't do that because then you're just going to create a huge mass, just what you're about to say their wives are going to get pissed. Yeah. Everybody's gonna, like, yeah. you can't do that.
1: Yeah, a grandma will, will put in the GPS coordinates on the phone and send <laughs> it's it. It's never going to happen. It, they, they're it's an uphill battle, they'll never be able to. Uh, Their whole denazifying of Ukraine nonsense, you know, when they come and kill your families, they will not be able to even say they take this now. This is not Donetsk, where it used to be pro-Russian, right, where a lot of traders joined the military and fought against Ukraine and things, things like that. Like Kherson in the south, like Mariupol and and places like this, they're not like that because they saw this massive destruction by the Russians. They saw what they did to their families, to to their women. Uh, the atrocities that committed to them, this is not the territory they'll be able to stake their flag and and just keep. Because you don't forget these things. We're not going to forget them for many decades to come.
2: Mm. I feel good. You made me feel good about my life. You got anything else you want to share?
1: I think that's the gist of it. That's it.
2: I'm glad you, uh, I do appreciate you coming up here. I'm glad I got to meet you in person. Yeah. It's a pleasure. Through text. Yeah, so hope you guys enjoy this this series. I don't know how many parts it is. I don't even know how long it is. So anyway, this is the last one. I do love you guys. Thanks for hanging out with me. We'll get you guys in another episode.
0: Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification to individualized coaching services to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development online in person individually or groups it's training that's measurably better learn more at managementconcepts.com that's managementconcepts.com for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count.